why everyone's still in jail for J6. Because everyone's going with the given narrative. The narrative that is wrong. I want you all to think of Russia hoax. Think of how they accomplished that and now apply that to J6. We've already uncovered how they did it. But what is necessary is for people to <laughs> eat a little bit of crow that they were wrong. So this is why this is happening. I just thought I would um, um, spell it out for a couple of people. <sighs> In all due time. I'm trying. All right, and we're back. So we have our friend here, uh, Tori. What if you just want to say a few words, introduce yourself uh, before we before we sign out? We wanted yes. to give you a chance to say hi. Hi, um, I know Tori. Tori uh, everybody knows Tori. Tori says everybody knows Tori. <laughs> I didn't share your links um, in time. I wanted to say, you know, the mayor has been a proponent in New York, and me being a native New Yorker for many years, I was lucky to be his constituent while he was a mayor, and he has done so much for our state and for our nation, but this city. Is, is 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 falling apart. I know, Tori. Com- I know, and you come back and forth here a lot, so you're a good barometer of what of how where. Works every time. It's my hometown. I go back to where I used to play, and and it's gone. You know, it's completely gone, and it's 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 terrible. The 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 crime is really high. I mean, even coming out here, you know, I usually stay at my regular place by the favorite food truck I have. <laughs> it's, he's been there forever. And, um, I, you know, normally I get that hotel room for like 200 bucks on a high note, 300. It's over a thousand. Yeah. And, and, and for nothing now, I yeah, mean, it's over you, a thousand. You get to pay a lot of money to, to stay in a dangerous, dirty, unhealthy place. Yeah, well, that's where we ended up, somewhere in Times Square, which was safer. <laughs> I hope you're somewhere nice, Tori. Come oh, on, we can't we're, we're somewhere good. We're right. somewhere good. Well, Tori is going to be on again. Yes. She's got a lot of stuff to share with us. we got a long night, right? Well, not too long. We'll pick up tomorrow. Too. Yeah. yeah. So I want to thank you very, very much uh, for joining in. I want to thank you for tolerating a little bit of my emotion. But uh, when you get around September 11, I'm sorry. I think I'm entitled. I have a video for you if you'd like to play. And I don't want, I don't want people to get away with the stuff these people are getting away with. Because I know that it leads to human death and misery. This isn't a game. This isn't a game of billionaires and multi-billionaires and people who want power and people who are perverted human beings. This is about, you know, the safety of human beings. And they're ruining our country. They've ruined our city, my city. But I'd be damned if I'm going to ruin my country. We'll stand up against anybody, anytime, anywhere. And you will too. And these people here will. God bless America. God bless America.
2007 and the Federal Aviation Administration, Department of Transportation. But what a lot of people overlook is the fact that state and local governments seize every opportunity they have to regulate drones. And thank God for the FAA's uh, fact sheet that they recently updated to us kind of drive off the point that the federal government does have our own locations, you can imagine that there's quite a response from movies, which is at the end the villain comes out, he takes off his mask, and then he swarms in with about 800 drones and kills everything. Yeah, and that, that was not good for our industry. What people didn't realize is how this technology is uniquely suited to provide benefits to people, not only in rural communities, but also urban communities. That's why we're seeing an uptick of drug dealer activity in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, from not just drone up, but from other companies as well. So it really is time that we are bringing this location, uh, we're bringing this technology to the American people, and it's exciting time for the industry. So without further ado, I want to get started with my amazing panel. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell them a little, tell you a little bit about what they do as we go from person to person. But I am going to start with Philip Wallace. Philip is the director of federal government affairs at Walmart, and I almost feel like we're battle brothers now because we've been in so many congressmen and women's offices over the past year. Um, Walmart has been fantastic in working with Drona to reach out to both Congress and the FAA to really try and improve the regulatory environment. So um, Phil's been a wonderful asset to us and he's just been amazing um, in Washington, D.C. So uh, Phil, really, what was the impetus behind Walmart deciding to throw this incredible weight behind our GR efforts? Absolutely, Grant. Uh, thank you so very much for having us here. Uh, as Grant mentioned, I'm Director of Federal Government Affairs at Walmart, based in our Washington, D.C. office. And uh, among my responsibilities, principally, is communicating uh, to Congress, uh, the White House administration, uh, and federal agencies, which includes uh, the FAA. Uh, for Walmart uh, and our work with Drone I think speaks a lot to uh, the mission statement that we have as a company, uh, we're a large company, uh, channel retailer. Uh, we have 4,700 stores throughout the country. Uh, we have 1.6 million employees and 90% of the American population lives within 10 miles of Walmart, uh, which is a pretty significant uh, footprint. And so you just mentioned relationships that we have in terms of having over 30 hubs across seven different states. Uh, and uh, the amount of regulation uh, and the amount of uh, what Congress is doing when you look at the FAA regulation uh, that is directly connected to our ability to scale this, uh, it's no brainer of why Walmart, uh, among our federal government priorities, uh, is working hand in hand uh, with Drone Up uh, to articulate to Congress and to articulate to the FAA uh, what those needs are. Uh, as you mentioned, we've, we've done a lot and the conversation has been pushed uh, quite tremendously over the last year, but we just have a long way to go. Uh, country announced in the process of debating the FAA reauthorization, uh, which happens every five years. Uh, it's taken many, many months to get where we are now, and we'll see where it goes from here, but uh, it's been a tremendous effort of the last several months. Well, thanks, Bill. We appreciate that. And, you know, I mentioned how important, of course, federal regulations are, given that the federal government has sovereignty over the airspace. But again, as I said, there are state and local issues as well. And at Drona, one of the things we encountered pretty early on is the issues that arise when we talk about constructing, um, many people call them drone ports, uh, 
the, the drone version of Hello Force or whatever, we call them hubs. It's the infrastructure from which we launch and land our drones. And when you go into a locality, you're you're not in federal regulation territory until you leave that blade of grass. Basically, everything that happens, as long as you are on top of the grass, um, anything that pertains to landing, launching, all that can be heavily, heavily regulated by state and local governments. And that was a challenge for us. That is a challenge for us because as we're talking about rolling out these hubs across America, you have a different set of building code regulations and zoning regulations that often can impede the ability to build out that infrastructure. Luckily, we have an amazing lobbyist for our continental strategy located out of Florida that has helped us with some monumental uh, Florida state legislation that uh, saved money, let's say, to the tune of around $500 million. That's, that's a pretty piece of change. And we, we are uh, heavily thankful to our Florida lobbyists for the work they did. And to talk a little bit more about that, I'm going to introduce Carlos Trujillo, who's the president of Continental Strategy. Carlos, talk a little bit about when we first approached you guys and we knew we were going to try and solve this regulatory issue. And the fact, well, first of all, talk a little bit about what they wanted us to do with our hubs and why it didn't make any sense for drone operations to have that in place. And what was the strategy behind Continental's approach to how we were able to alleviate the regulatory barrier? Thank you, Brandon. I think one thing that's important, as you know, uh, Bill was saying, there's a lot of focus on obviously the, the FAA reauthorization and the VLOS and all the other federal restrictions. But how does this work in practice? When these drones and these drone boards are constructed, how does that work with, between state and local regulations? And in Florida, um, I think it's probably uh, similar across the entire country. That unknown of how this is going to look and how it's going to work raises a lot of concerns. So when Drona signed the partnership with Walmart and they were starting to expand and scale across Florida, immediately a lot of municipalities and some of the counties uh, were coming out and saying, well, you're not allowed to fly drones, which as we all know, they don't have the authority to do that. So since they realized at some point that they don't have the authority to regulate the flying of drones, then they make it very difficult from a land use zoning regulatory perspective. Um, so in Florida, one of the big restrictions they had besides the zoning, whether this is allowed to be used on the parking lot of Walmart, was also what are the construction uh, requirements that are required. I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, these drone ports, but they're basically containers that are out in the parking lot with a mysterious stairwell that launch products. They wanted uh, Drone Up in Walmart to install an entire fire suppression system and a second auxiliary staircase. Uh, to give you an idea, there's two people who work there. The fire suppression system and the auxiliary staircase would have been almost an additional $500,000 per unit, multiplied times 365 uh, Walmarts in the state of Florida, um, along with all the other uh, encumbrances that they put on. It was a significant amount of money put at. Luckily, through the support of uh, Representative uh, Duggan, who ran the bill and was able to successfully pass it out of the Florida House, all those regulatory requirements from fire life safety, zoning, and use were preempted back in the state and created a comprehensive framework on how zoning would work from a regulatory perspective for drone ports. Uh, and I'm, we're proud to say that that bill was able not only to pass with the unanimous bipartisan support of the chamber, you can also sign with the governor. So it's just very good public policy that 
creates one comprehensive structure for the entire marketplace. It certainly doesn't benefit Walmart or Drono, but for all companies who are looking to conduct business in, in a simple, straightforward manner to stay afloat. Carlos, I have to put you on the spot and ask you a unscripted question. I hope that's okay. In your former life, of course, um, you were an ambassador for President Donald Trump. I'm curious to know in those countries you visited and that you worked with, were there ever discussions of drones? Like, did drones ever come up? How prevalent was that in the South American countries? You know, they're not. There hasn't been. Uh, but I think there's a significant amount of use. If you look at traffic issues, if you look at last mile issues, if you look at congestion issues in a city like Mexico City or Rio de Janeiro, or any of these large Latin American cities, you're talking about cities with 10, 15, 20 million people. Um, drones can alleviate a lot of the traffic that we see and a lot of the infrastructure issues that are currently happening. Um, there was a big debate, and there still is obviously on 5G technology. The debate on, on whether it's going to be the Western American slash Canadian, or is it going to be um, the Huawei Chinese run technology. And it's not, it's not only the technology, but it's what the technology signifies, right? The ability to capture and create data, the ability to analyze data, the ability to scale out that information, um, and the power that that information poses for the ultimate uh, holder of it. Um, so that was a big debate, but I think drones and all these other debates are also the, the debates of our lifetime, right? As we go into this third industrial revolution, what's going to happen with automation, artificial intelligence um, across the board, and I think drones will be a big part of that. Thanks, Carlos. So, uh, Representative Wyman Duggan, who of course is a representative in the Florida State House of Representatives, uh, sponsor, co-sponsor of our House Bill, House Bill 1071, which allowed us to obtain the regulatory relief to not have to put in uh, a second stairwell or a sprinkler system, which when you're talking about a two-man show of drone pilots, it makes no sense to have in place, but you know, you'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't be, at how often state and local governments try and fight this, the rollout of this technology, and it's not even because they don't believe in it, it's because they want to make a point that there are certain aspects of aviation that they feel they do have control over, and they're going to prove that point every chance they can. Luckily, Representative Duggan generously helped us in those efforts by sponsoring the bill. Representative, what went into your decision to actually um, take the leap on this and to actually have faith that this was something that was worth growing your support on? Thank you, Grant. First, I want to say this is a real pleasure. Thank you for participating in this exciting space. So, uh, I'm Juan Duggan. I represent uh, the State House District in South Central Duval County, which is Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and my day job, the Florida legislature is a part-time job, uh, so, which means I don't pay a full-time job. Um, but uh, I'm a private regulatory attorney, so I, so I help the private sector navigate regulatory bureaucracy most of, most of the time in land use and zoning context. So, uh, so I immediately understood the burden that the local governments are trying to put on the space industry. And, um, you know, both, both Philip and his reference to how many, how much the population is within, uh, you know, proximity to Walmart and, and Carlos, his allusion to, you know, AI and these coming technologies. For me, it was a no brainer. It seems like uh, technology that's going to transform people's lives, everyday people's lives, in an immediate, tangible way. And uh, it just seems like a great opportunity to get involved with that. I was excited.
Well, thank you, Representative. We appreciate all your hard work on the bill, which, again, as Carla has mentioned, uh, pretty, it seems uncommon, passed unanimous, uh, unanimous bipartisan support in the state of Florida. So it was fantastic to have the entire Florida legislature signal their support for this technology and what we're trying to do with it. Uh, Lindsay Trialing, who's the CEO of Trialing Aviation Services. Um, I'm going to ask Lindsay a little bit about, Lindsay's been heavily involved in both the educational and uh, the government sector in terms of drone applications and how drones are used. Uh, part of what goes into being able to scale this technology to gain the support of the government comes in having to actually convince the public, right? Because the, the fewer angry calls that council members and governors receive, the more likely it is they're not going to put up a fight um, when companies like DroneUp and Walmart come in and try to roll out this technology. You know, having done this now, um, we're about we're our second year into the rollout program and the rollout of the program, and we actually have had many overwhelmingly positive response from the public. You'd be shocked. We used to sit up here at this conference three years ago and talk about our dread over public perception and what are people going to think about drones? Because like any technology, they can be used for evil. It seems like a few people stop and ask what happens if it's in the right hands. And that's what all of us here in this conference on Vegas today are trying to do, to make sure the technology stays in the right hands and that there is that balance of respecting the public's right to privacy against technological innovation. Uh, just real quick, one, one of the crazier stories we've heard, you know, all this positive public perception we've had of drones, we've only heard of one incident where there was one person who claimed the drones that were flying over her house, and I'm not making this up, were stopping her horses from breathing. And that she could no longer breathe horses because the drones were scaring the horses. Now, what further makes this more preposterous is when I tell you she lives in an airspace and has airplanes and helicopters flying over her uh, backyard every minute. So it was a little strange, but when you, aside from that one, you know, out, that one outlier, this has just been an amazingly overwhelmingly positive response by the public. Lindsay, how important is it, given the work you've done in the avian age sector and educational institutions, how important is it to educate not only our children but adults on drone benefits and how can that lead to uh, work out? Okay. Thank you, Grant. Thanks for the introduction and thanks for having me. You're exactly right. I mean, public perception, that is their reality, right? So we can talk all day about how safe things are and all of the things that we're doing in practice, but unless you're out there advocating for those things and being able to relay those messages, that, that changes that perception of what safety looks like for them. So not only in an aviation community, what is it to be safe, but also what is it in the public eyes to be safe and have these operations. And just like you said, it goes beyond acceptance. It goes to the point of what is the benefit, right? What's the social benefit of that? And really when you start to engage communities, I mean, it can be done years in advance to operations. You know, really it should be done in parallel to if you're, if you're starting companies, if you're starting new operations, you know you're going to be in a new area, that's when that education really needs to happen. Now focusing specifically, you mentioned about youth and educating them as well. I've always seen drones as really a gateway to aviation. You know, we talk about um, different communities that drones capture. It also is very important for the workforce development, exactly what you're saying. 
So we, we know in aviation that there is, there is a shortage of workforce. There's a shortage across the drone industry. There's a shortage across all of aviation, and, and a traditional aviation, crude aviation as well, and uncrewed aviation. So being able to recruit that from a very young age to say, hey, these are the different opportunities that we do have. And it's very exciting for students. They get to see all of this technology and learn about air aerodynamics and all of the things that go into a STEM education. But then they're going to see what benefit it brings to their community. And then they're going to go home and talk to their mom and dad about it as well. So not all things are important to be out in the community, but to be able to relay that message in the schools as well. So tell, it's tell their parents. A lot of We're going to tell the kids to tell their parents. Are you kidding me? That's such a lefty thing to say. How they feel safe is when they feel educated. I completely agree, and I also think, you know, there's this tendency when, when the automobile first came, when the horse and buggy first came out, people freaked out. Then it was the car, then the, the plane, and I mean, this is going to happen every time we roll technology, because you can always have it used for bad, and you can always have it used for good. So um, I think, you know, given that the children are seeing this technology in the right hands, and that it is providing benefits, let's be honest, I mean, once you receive one 30 minute or less delivery, it's hard to think less of technology, right? We, we, we became very, very accustomed to receiving our two-day packages from Amazon Prime when that was first rolled out. So imagine being able to receive a good from Walmart in under 30 minutes. You know, that's, it, never underestimate the American public's uh, respect for convenience, right? But also safety, and it is important to have that public trust. Uh, moving back to Philip, you know, it, like I said, it's been quite a year, um, two years really, for Walmart and their investment in drones and how drones are going to transform uh, middle mile but also last mile delivery solutions. Tell us a little bit about how the drone delivery program is going and what we can expect in the future from Walmart's interest in technology. Yeah, for sure. Council stage is piggybacking off of. Um, hey guys, we're in some disconnect. Even with the Congress. And the learning curve, <laughs> the very steep learning curve that Congress seems to have when it comes to new technologies, uh, having a company like Walmart on the retail side. When we want to point fingers, we point fingers to the people that had the power to do something. We point fingers to the people that led the investigations into this, that were responsible for the cataloging of evidence, for subpoenaing witnesses, for taking testimony, for analyzing every single hair, paper clip, shoe, finger, whatever it is they collected with those dump trucks. And there was one person that was responsible. We are, as I said, beginning the hearings today in the nomination of Robert S. Mueller III to be director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, frankly one of the most important positions in our government. He has had an outstanding career in law enforcement, served as a federal prosecutor in three different U.S. attorney's offices. He served in Maine justice under both Republican and Democratic administrations. For Mr. Mueller and for this committee and for the nation this is more than a job interview because we're at a crucial juncture for the fbi and well beyond an interview in many ways this hearing will be a redefinition of the job of the fbi director
you, uh, Chairman Leahy, uh, Senator Hatch, members of the committee. Uh, thank you for the extraordinary courtesy and support that you have extended to me over the past several weeks. I want to especially express my appreciation to you, Mr. Chairman, for your willingness to schedule this hearing and begin the formal consideration of my nomination. I was deeply honored uh, when President Bush decided to nominate me for the position of Director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. In my view, the FBI is the finest law enforcement agency in the world. Its highly skilled and dedicated workforce and its investigative tools and resources are unmatched in law enforcement. I consider it the highest privilege to be asked to lead such an outstanding organization. And that person used over 40 million U.S. dollars, issued tens of thousands of subpoenas, questioned countless individuals, destroyed evidence, lied, and kept the Trump presidency hostage for over two years. The testimony you're about to give is true and correct to the best of your knowledge, information, and belief. So help you God. And after such a thorough investigation into one simple matter, without evidence like pieces of wall or maybe an airplane, if there was one, black boxes, paper clips, explosive residue, fire, analysis, didn't have any of that. It was all hearsay, right? It was all fake dossiers and the word of agents. Came up with zero Russia collusion, right? Two years, very thorough, wasn't it? Super thorough. Then why is it that that same person that was responsible for the 9-11 investigation used very little money and closed the investigation on 9-11 within three weeks? That same person, Robert Mueller, responsible for the no collusion hoax investigation, was responsible in determining what happened during 9-11. The evidence on the dump trucks, never cataloged. The steel that was left over with residue that you could have run through some tests to see. Was it jet fuel? Was it what they say is thermite that melts steel? Not there either. That steel was resold to China. On September 4th, 2001, Robert Mueller was sworn in as FBI director under George Bush. That was one of George Bush's biggest mistakes because only a couple years later, they would show him who's really president. I want to thank you all for practicing reading. Thank you so much. what people don't get people don't get that this whole impeachment is about age so that way they can exclude president trump once again no one is paying attention you're just listening to the oohs and the ahs of impeachment obama would not have allowed for impeachment to go forward if it was in his benefit again people really have no idea just how complicated this all is